get yourself some of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back, yes, and ready to inject your ear hole with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is the voice you hear, and I've come to do one thing and one thing only above all X. Respect Box. I respect Box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes. And two great athletes join the ring with each other this Saturday in Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Triple G Golovkin in a very controversial super fight from Las Vegas. Myself and the Big Ginger were on the scene at T-Mobile Arena. And believe me, we have plenty to speak on this. Much, much to come. We will also welcome a pair of special guests this week in 2012 Fighter of the Year, Nonito Donaire, who moves back up to featherweight for Saturday's return in San Antonio. We will also chat with Ringstar Sports promoter and former Golden Boy head Richard Schaefer on Rafe's favorite topic above all else, the Cruiserweight Classic, and much more. But before I tag in Big Red, I wanted you all out there to know this. I like you. I like sex. It's nice. And if you like what you hear on this week's show, well, come on, you know what to do. If you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate, subscribe, review. Heck, it'll only take you 60 seconds and leave a mark in the long run. But for now, let me tag in the Hall to my Oats, the Adelaide to my Robert Bird, internationally renowned author, writer, and protector, I might add, of all things cruiserweights. <laughs> Cruising together, respect was made for box, but Brian, but Brian. Rafe, Bartholomew, and Rafe, I got good news for you. Our single, Cruising Was Made for Box, currently in negotiations to be added to iTunes. What do you think? Look, it's already number one on Billboard's boxing hot singles chart. I mean, I don't think anything's replacing it until we reveal our next respect box related gem, which, you know, I don't want to give anything away. But we are in the studio. We're chopping it up. You know, this is some classic, you know, I mean, Diddy and Diddy and uh, and and shine stuff. Wow. Shine. You put me behind bars. Does this really happen? (laughs) You know, somebody got to take the fall when I, uh, you know, when I got to take someone out in the club. Well, Rafe, this weekend it was a controversial split draw. But before we get to that, you and I conducted a a handful of very memorable interviews in the media room ahead of Canelo Triple G that we will be unloading on people in the next few weeks. A bonus podcast to come with convos featuring the great Larry Merchant, Bernard Hopkins, Kelly Pavlik, the former middleweight champion, uh, for Hall of Fame referee Joe Cortez. That's just to name a few. We even asked one of our favorite journalists, Eric Raskin, just how washed he really is. Yeah, I mean, come on. The people are going to love this. They're going to love that. I love that. But really, I mean, I know what we're here to do today, and that is for me to break down Victor Postal's victory over Jamshid Beck, Najmanidinov, this weekend in the Ukraine. I mean, are are we pumped right now, or do you want me to go Milan Melindo's win over Hecky Budler first? Let's see what Teddy has to say. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Look, we're going to talk a lot about Adelaide Bird giving the 118-110 scorecard for Canelo Alvarez and just throwing what should have been a spectacular mountaintop moment for boxing this weekend upside down. But one thing Adelaide helped produce was another one of these absurd Teddy Atlas, uh, Stephen A. Smith rants on ESPN. Let me just share a tiny burst of this for you. The fact of the matter is with this judge, you eliminate this person. You make well, sure no, Judge Bird, Bird, Bird is not a rat. Again. She will 
be working again. I'll make you a bet. I love you. I'll make you a bet. We should be, we should forget about the robbery because it was a good fight. What if it wasn't a good no, fight? No, you don't forget about it. We, no, you don't forget about it. That's what happens. No, you don't forget about it. That's what happens. That's what happens. Let me ask you a question. We start Let me ask you a question. No, 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 no. Let me ask you a question. I want to go to history. I want to go to history. I want to go to history. Is what Wait, I'm talking about. Hold on, hold on. Listen, is what I'm Teddy, talking I'm about. Coming. That's the history. Who loves what, any administrator? Who loves no, any administrator? No sport does this happen on Who a regular basis? What other sport does this happen to on a regular basis? None. What other sport do you see people saying we love the administrators? What's wrong with you, Teddy? No, I mean, even me? in the NFL, everybody decries for Project Nobody loves no, administrators. Hey, don't twist Nobody. around because you're a college graduate and you're trying to twist it around and be real quick on your words. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, wow. Wow, I let them play longer than I wanted to there, but that summed up. Uh, it's, it's hard another, to ever just... pick a point to stop. You just have to let it going, you know? It's like, I'll make. I love you! I love you. I mean, it's I just, okay. it's just fantastic there. Wow, Rafe, so much to dissect. We thought boxing was going to get this. Big gift to people. We thought a big gift to people, but you know, I mean, we, we thought maybe this. We thought we were going to get that. We still got a great fight. Let's not miss that part of the equation, but man, a split draw in a fight. That's more across the board on scores than I expected. I scored at 117-111 for Gennady Golovkin. I favored the guy coming forward the whole night, putting Canelo on the ropes, limiting Canelo to 30-second pockets of counter shots, but really a guy backpedaling, getting himself cornered constantly. I favored Gennady's jab. There are other journalists who had it closer. Where do you fall on the wide spectrum here from 118-110 Adelaide Bird across to me 117-11 on the other side? Well, Brian, I, I was close. I'm basically in the same ballpark as you, and I think the the you know n there's not an overwhelming consensus, but the majority of of boxing writers, observers, people who scored the fight, who we sort of look to in these times, I had it uh, 116-112, eight rounds to four for Gennady Golovkin, um, and saw the fight similarly to you in that you know he, he swept those middle rounds of the fight and really had Canelo looking. Uh, looking tired at times looking like he's in survival mode um and and you have to give canelo all the credit for for coming on for finding something kind of starting even though i didn't give canelo the eighth round i think it started when he landed that monster overhand right oh you know the God. one that the one that knocked amir khan out for the second the one time that killed uh, amir khan. Khan watched it. triple g's chin just go in the other direction and bounce back <laughs> Yeah, that the the replay of that that went around on Twitter is w just uh, ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous watching it live, and you're like, "What the? How is he?" That, 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 and both guys, the the chin, the defense they showed uh, is all going to be sort of underrated because of some of the great punches they land. Uh, and that kind of gets back to you know, I mean, Triple G promised the the good gift for people, um, and to to in there to the, those these guys' credit, they did give people that. It's just that. You know, uh, the business of boxing or whatever, the, the craziness of boxing, the judges, and that's particular uh, sort of unacceptable 118-110 scorecard that Adelaide Bird uh, submitted, that took the gift that these guys gave for us fans and lit it on fire in front of us. And so we're, so it's like, what good is the gift after boxing lights it on fire? Yeah, uh, 
this was so tough to swallow. You and I left T-Mobile Arena and walked uh, across the left, walked back to the hotel, and we're just like angry, angry that such a good moment could get stained like this. Angry that they took something that, look, I thought it was a clear Golovkin victory and robbed him from it. People can say, oh, well, it was just one scorecard. What if that scorecard had been 115-113 for, for Canelo? Or, or, you know, or, and it would still be a draw. You would still be talking about the narrative. Yes, but there's only three judges picked for the fight. And one of them wrote her scorecard in on Thursday, right? So it's like, you can't overlook that. It basically... Two-thirds, you know, one-third of the judges were giving Gennady no chance before the fight even started. Why does that matter? Because part of the analysis, Rafe, was us saying in the beginning, man, I think Golovkin will probably win a decision, but if it goes the distance, man, good luck trying to get it one. And I know we say that like joking, and we say that sometimes like, aha, it is boxing, it is the Wild West. Well, I'm sick partially of that element of the boxing Wild Wild West. Look at Canelo's four biggest, no, five biggest fights. Four of them had not just the benefit of the doubt scorecard, but, you know, a giant outlier, right? The Austin Trout fight, 119, you know, 110. Stanley Christodoulou makes no sense, right? The the Floyd Mayweather fight, 114, 114 CJ Ross makes no sense. Now it happens again here. Even that close Irislandi uh, Lara fight, which was 115, 113 either way, Canelo got a 117, 111 scorecard. I just, you know, I just don't see that. I just don't see any of these. Rafe, it's a pattern now, right? It's not a coincidence. It just stinks on the highest level that we still have to deal with this. I know it's nothing new. I know it's been going on forever, but come on, man. It's not like us coming from an idea of like, well, Gennady deserves this. We're Gennady super fans. But like fair play at the top. This is just such a kick to the face in that, that it's hard for me to go, yeah, who cares about that third scorecard? It was a pretty close fight. No, like it, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. It's crap, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm mostly with you. I mean, it, it is a – it, that that scorecard really took it. It took the air out of me. I mean, like I watched this fight on the seat of my chair, like my heart pounding out of my chest, and and it I it was really just like it de- totally deflated me. I mean, I, I you saw me. I just like packed up my car and drove home. I was just despondent. You know, I couldn't really focus on on you know what the guys had had shown us in the ring. And it's not really that I, it wasn't. And and again, I you know we I don't think that. Golovkin was robbed because it was too close of a fight. Like there are reasons, a, a draw scorecard is reasonable. I wouldn't, I don't a, agree with it. It's, it's, it's fine. There were close rounds. Um, so it's not a robbery decision, but, to, but that was a robbery scorecard. Um, and, and it really makes you, it, it, it sort of, I mean, I hate it. it. This is kind of ridiculous and people will probably laugh at me for getting this emotionally and like kind of like existential about it. But it's like, you know, it's like to, to beat Canelo then with him getting the benefit of the doubt in every round, you're basically telling Golovkin, well, it's not enough just to, 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 you know, to sort of dominate most of the fight and, and win a, a, a close but clear decision. You have to sell out for a knockdown or a knockout and maybe get himself hurt or knocked out trying. Like it's, it's basically, it, it's stacking the deck in a, in a fight that you don't want to see that these guys we've seen are almost on even you know, almost in in I would say even. You know, I mean, Canelo could have won that fight. Uh, the, the, so, you know, you it just it 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 kills me. You know, it's like it's 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 like you know, it's the metaphor for society, man. The the, the little guy, the guy who had to work his way up, finally gets a shot. But like, it's still you you they'll never let you over the top. Uh, you know, and again, 
it sounds ridiculous for me to have like you know found like you know uh, an existential crisis in this match more than just being mad about <laughs> a, a boxing decision. But it was really just sort of like so sad. It's like you know you think the world has some there's some version of like you know eventually something sometime the guy you like who doesn't deserve who doesn't who doesn't always get the the rub will go out and just and, and things will come out right for him and it never quite works out that way it's like the wire man that 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 uh that uh that security guard at the convenience store tell it trying that that you know that that that's trying to step up to marlo and make him and make him give him the the stuff he stole from the store marlo's like you think the world is one way but it's the other the world is the other way. It ain't right. It's not fair, and we know it. But, man, this fight just sort of hits you in the head with it like a big Canelo overhand right. Yeah, man, Omar's coming. Everything you said I agree with. Uh, so, look, you know my stance on what I preferred. I preferred the pressure of Triple G. I preferred the fact that, you know, it's tough for me to give Canelo a draw or a close win when literally he's backpedaling for, for four-fifths of the fight and, and in the middle rounds was clearly gassed, feeling, the, you know, the power of Golovkin punches now look Canelo showed a giant beard he showed you that he is an A-level fighter in this he showed you tremendous defense I just think that my overall take on the fight was a lot more what Jamie Foxx said after the fight you know I thought Triple G was getting in that ass I thought he was too I thought he was getting in there the whole night I will say this though we have to present both sides of the argument we both preferred Triple G there are a lot of media members who had it a draw our two friends great friends at HBO Eric Raskin and Karen Mulvaney both had it a draw so I didn't get a chance to see the replay broadcast that'll be next Saturday on HBO I got a chance only uh, what you can find on the internet of just catching a couple rounds here and there and I will say this from what I saw Saturday night on the ground ringside you sometimes the ringside gives you a better view of a fight in terms of punches landed, sometimes it gives you a worse depending on your angle, depending on people standing up in front of you, depending on the fact that I'm doing a live blog while I'm scoring this fight and watching it. But I will say this. I didn't give as much credit in person to the defense Canelo was showing, to the fact that when you go back and watch some of these rounds, he knew what he was doing in there. He was taking away Golovkin's right hand. Triple G was all good with that jab all night. Didn't go to the body, really, at all, which you can criticize him for, but Canelo took away the right hand from Triple G, and by doing that, he allowed himself to go the distance. So I'll say this. If there are people who preferred that, is a draw the worst idea ever? No, I don't think a draw is a robbery. Dontrella's 114-114 card or Dave Moretti's 115-113 in favor of Triple G, they are possible like you mentioned. I'm not completely against that. I want to present that on both sides. I just think, man, I can't stop harping on the 1810 and people saying that we shouldn't. We should be focusing on the great fight, but that's such a big part of it in the end. Rafe, can you build a case for this being closer, for maybe Canelo having a shot at eking it out? Yes, of course. I mean, there. Were, it, I, I remember, you know, even though I scored an 8-4, basically it comes down to what uh, you prefer in, in a fight, what kind of effective fighting you prefer. Um, and in the close rounds, there were the, these were rounds where Canelo, sort of in the late rounds, some of the ones that, it's like, I, a lot of people had Canelo winning the last three or four rounds. I thought I thought that they split them a little. I, I thought they split them. I gave so actually eleven and twelve to to Triple G, which is not as common, I guess. But in those rounds, it seemed like Canelo would come out strong with a nice combination and then sort of give let, give away most of the rest of those rounds. And, and so and and but they were really close, and those were good combinations to start. He did start strong, and 
you know, it really comes down to those sort of those judgment calls. Do you prefer uh, a strong start or a few great moments, a beautiful counter, the two best punches of the round that that Canelo often landed? Or do you prefer the work with the jab that 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 Triple G did all night? The, you know, glancing power shots, the the uh, the pressure that even what the interesting thing about this fight, the thing that that seemed to hurt Canelo more than anything else weren't punches. It was pressure. It was just the presence of Triple G having to defend himself, having to, you know, having Triple G as, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx might say, up in that ass for 12 full rounds. Um, that was wearing Canelo down. And it was, and, and to Canelo's credit, we, I, we've never seen anyone turn the tide back even marginally on Triple G. Like, it's not like Canelo took over this fight down the stretch, but to come, but, you know, rounds five, six, seven, it started looking like, uh, Oh, Canelo, you know, yes, he's still he's still dangerous. He still has it in him to land a decent counter shot, but he's only throwing one at a time. And Triple G, he was started to pick them off. I think that was his success, Triple G's success in those mid rounds. He he started picking off those counters a lot easier and he was defending very well i mean you know of course triple g gets hit he comes in straight for uh, not straight forward but he comes in and lets you hit him sometimes or just he's so aggressive you can hit him he gets hit but his defense is sort of undersold as well because man he was doing a lot to pick off canelo's counters or his combinations with his gloves with his elbows the body shots he both guys i mean really showed such skill and heart and chin uh, that part was great uh, i still i just think for me i valued uh, in more rounds, just the overall work that that Triple G did, and the fact that the round there were rounds where Canelo looked like he did not, he was not in good shape. You know, he was more, he was put more in survival mode than than Triple G was for That's sure. That's the bottom line: survival mode. Canelo in survival mode more. I know in the end, Canelo did land the more flush shots. He had you know four or five really good right hands. That when you watch highlights of the fight. I could see people going, wow, it looks like Canelo did a lot, more, a lot better than he did. It's not like this is a new debate, right? The guy who lands three or four good counter shots in a round versus the guy who put on pressure and boxed the whole round. But I think we're not talking about a light punching boxer here. We're talking about Triple G who used that jab to control Canelo and put him where he wanted to go. You hate what the bad scorecard does for the overall fight. It makes people believe, oh, this was a work the whole time, right? Because Canelo's rematch clause was only kicked in if there was a draw or a loss. And, hey, we'll do it again Cinco de Mayo, and we'll make even more money, right? We're just coming off of Ward Kovalev having a controversial first fight, which produced a rematch. I get people are saying that. It's just tough all around that it went down like that, but... Both guys elevated. That's a plus from this. Both guys certainly elevated. All right. People are criticizing Triple G for starting too late. And maybe that's how he didn't clinch it. You know, Canelo scored the first two rounds on most people's cards. I don't think he started too late. I think that's Triple G style. There is a little bit of Floyd in him where he respects the power coming back at him. He wants to take a snapshot and figure out what Canelo has. Well, guess what? Round three was pretty much split for, but from like four through 11, it was all Triple G. So he made the necessary adjustment. I'm not up on the idea of him starting late. Rafe, I'm not even up on the idea that 35 caught up with him in this fight. I thought he fought a great fight. And I know every fighter on Twitter is saying, oh, the myth of Triple G is over. He doesn't have the same power. Guys, he has great power against C+, plus, B-, minus, and B-plus opponents, right? He put away guys like Macklin and Murray and all these, you know, pretty good names. But when you fight great fighters, and right now, Daniel Jacobs is showing you he might be an A- minus fighter, right? Canelo certainly showed you that he's an A, A fighter on Saturday night. When you fight great A fighters, they don't always go down the same way. I think Triple G put out put the best effort possible. 
No, he didn't make adjustments. No, he didn't go to the body. But for who he is, this was an elite performance. So I don't want to hear any narrative that he's too old or he didn't do this and that. He fought a great fighter in Canelo. I just thought Triple G won the fight. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, it, to me, it is, it was a extremely good bordering on great fight between two guys who were deservedly in your, you know, on your, on your pound for pound list. And, and that's, and that's why it was these, a close fight that, that, you know, people can, can kind of argue about. I mean, that's, that's usually what happens in these situations. For me, I, you know, you know me, I, I am a triple G mark, not to the point that I'm, uh, you know, that I was ever one of these guys who was like deluding myself about him, but I had, seen things and believed that there was a chance that he wasn't just an A fighter, but he could have been like an A plus plus fighter, you know, and I had that kind of, I had, I was holding on to that. And I think for me, it was tough. It was actually kind of tough to watch because even though I think Triple G uh, won the fight for me and I probably overestimated him a little bit, I think he he was, he, he did come off uh, diminished a little bit to me, probably just because, you know, this, I would have married the man, uh, on Friday. Um, but, uh, you know, I would have, I would have, I would have raised, you know, I would have let him, I would have gotten the Arnold Schwarzenegger Jr. treatment and, you know, had his next kid and he wouldn't this? even have to visit me in training I camp. I make you a okay. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I love you! Um, but yeah, but so, so, I mean, but, but really it was like, it was hard to be, to re- see him then, you know, he looked, he, I think, I think that Golovkin has lost a step off of, I mean, even, even though, yes, it's a higher level of opponent than your, you know, your bossing Macklin, Matthew Macklin around, uh, and, and Matthew Macklin had already taken a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of miles on him at that point, um, but, uh, it, to me, I mean, the, that he could never find a home for the right that that can that Canelo really sort of so easily uh, slipped it and rolled out of the way of that punch all all fight. And that Triple G never really tried something else. You know, he he started to find something with lead lead left hooks in the third round. And then he kind of went away from it and went back to the jab. I would have liked to see him mix up his office. I would have liked to see him open up a little bit more, take, especially in those middle rounds when Canelo was looking tired. Of course, he's always always dangerous with a with a, with those counters but man i feel i part of me did feel like the triple g from two years ago would have pounced a little bit more he wouldn't have been reckless but he would have had he would have shown a little more varied offense it, this was uh and 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 it's weird to be sitting here and and saying i want more from what was really a great performance i don't know uh, if it, he it, would have two years ago rafe because he really respects power. He does, right? He went to a full jab offense against Lemieux because of that. I think Canelo, as you saw in those replays, was landing bombs. You gotta really give credit for Triple G's chin. I, I don't care anybody saying, well, Canelo's moving up in weight. No, the guy's a calculated counterpuncher who can land bombs. I think that when you go back and watch that, like, Triple G slightly exposed for not having a plan B, but I don't think it was that he didn't have the motor in the, in, you know, the, the, juice in the in the motor to go forward i thought he was just going for the right hands was missing but he's not going to overextend himself he doesn't do that he doesn't put himself in spots to get recklessly countered i agree but i just i think maybe he would i think he would have had a few more options a couple or and and i think that his he was he was a little bit faster uh, a couple years ago i don't think he ever would have was going to be uh you know i think he still would have had some pro- trouble you know landing those big power shots against canelo you know who has great reflexes and and has now showed it on a the, basically the most dangerous level that he can stand in the corner and make golovkin miss enough to not get knocked out which which a lot of people did not i mean even as good as the 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 waist movement and the head movement canelo had showed has always been impressive but i had doubts that he could stand there and do and get away with that against 
Golovkin, and he, and he and he proved that he could. So you give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but uh, you know, a little white thing. I, I I do think that I to me, I just have to admit to myself that Golovkin is not quite the the guy I had dreamt he could be, and that's fine. He's still a great fighter. I mean, it's a draw that he that most people and I do think he won, and he gets another chance, and hopefully, you know, he he'll rise to an even greater level. But there was a time when I was when when back when they were talking about Triple G Ward when Ward yes. was at 168. I I I think Ward would have deserved to be favored, of course. But I, part of me thought that Triple G could figure it out, and now, you know, I have it. Now I, I think I was totally wrong. Like, like Ward, there is another level of fighter that a few guys are at, and Triple G and Canelo, to me, aren't quite on that level. They're great, but they aren't Andre Ward. They aren't Floyd Mayweather. They aren't what we think guys like Bud Crawford or Vasil Lomachenko are going to show us. They I mean, are. that's fair. I always thought Ward was going to be the kryptonite, not just the size, but the style. I mean, Ward can Ward has Plan B. C, D, E, F. I mean, like like Floyd, they're, they're next-level fighters. Look, this is what happens when a guy can't get A opponents, right? We saw that with Sergio Martinez for a while. He, he, he really overachieved and went on that run of getting rid of B guys. And I know that this isn't the same situation because when Sergio did get to the A level, he was older, his body was compromised. It's not the same scenario, but you never know how to properly rate a guy until you see him in there against A-level competition. So, yeah, Gennady's not an A++++ guy, right? Pretty good, pretty good A minus A guy though. I mean, it, this was he's a, a full A. He might even he's a he's a A A plus. A, you know, he's you know I think we're we I think they may not have the resumes yet, but I think we're they're pretty close to it. And I think we're talking about two Hall of Famers. Um, but there's you know I mean even even among Hall of Famers there are levels. And like part of me, you know, I really was like, man, this guy could be a legend. This guy, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with just being a great fighter, of course. Uh, you know, someone. Uh, who will remember probably for for a very, you know for as long as we're think, talking about boxing, but uh, you know I, it's what I guess. Hey, I, I, I that's one of the things I love about boxing. It really for me it's the only sport where I get that invested in in, in athletes. I mean I, I basketball is my first love, uh, but but I don't care. I'm not a fan in the same way. I will. There are fighters who for whatever reason you know you you fall in love with and you 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 just can't help yourself but want to see them rise to the you know I, like I wanted you know I would have been happy if if Golovkin did something that that made him you know on par with Marvin Hagler and, and Bernard Hopkins as the best middleweights ever uh and if, I mean you know Sugar Ray Robinson all these guys I mean recent middleweights uh but uh you know uh you know I but it's, he's not there that's not him he's an A fighter uh, it was a great fight and uh you know we move on and the the rematch uh assuming they do it will be uh, another one that that man, uh, a lot will be at stake, and and I'm sure I'll get amped up and keyed up for that too. I'm happier about the idea of the rematch now than I was in the first two hours after the fight ended. Right when you're a little bit more distance from the 1810, even though it's still real to me, damn it. And you're a little, and you're, you know, look, I I went back and watched some and realized Canelo had done better, like I said, than I thought in real time. Rematch wise, I do want to see how it plays out. I expected to hear this though after the fight. Olokin, you are next, my friend. But it seems Canelo's playing his A-side card, and he said in further interviews at the press conference that, you know, he doesn't want to fight again until May, maybe not even until September next year. I don't believe that for a second. And that, you know, maybe not Golovkin next. We'll see. Does that mean Golden Boy's going to say, hey, guess what? We got Cotto in-house here. Let's do Cotto Canelo, too. Because, Rafe, at first, you're going to groan to that. But if our future is Cotto Canelo, too, in December 
and Golovkin Saunders and Billy Joe Saunders outpointed Willie Monroe Jr. over the weekend to defend his WBO title. And if they unify and then we set up for a spring run back, is that something that would fire you up? A spring? So are we, they're still going to fight in May? Yes, although Canelo just said he doesn't want to fight until May and wouldn't, you know, that would that, sh- that could Look, X out uh, yeah, the idea they, of Cotto. If they each take fights in, you know, like December, January, something like that, and then they can set up the, the rematch in May, I think that's that would be ideal. Perfect, that's probably wishful think, thinking, right? It's probably uh, wishful. You know, I think it's possible Triple G fights in between and uh, and Canelo just waits it out. Uh, or or that, you know, Canelo fights Cotto in, you know, Tells calls up Cotto and says, "Hey Miguel, I know you want to retire in December, but why don't you and you know your car full of balls uh, wait until May and we can make some money and uh, and that I don't like because that sounds like they're waiting they're they're trying to they're trying to wait Triple G out even more. It sounds like That's they're the trying fear. to get add another six months and and set him up for a definitive loss. And you know that would drive me crazy because then all of, you know how boxing works. Once someone gets a definitive loss, then everyone's like it shades everything that happened." previously they're like no canelo was always better he was always the best fight you know and and that, that it ain't right it ain't right brian and when you said car for balls you did mean this <laughs> and we did see the great brian perez over the weekend uh yeah so the fear is that he would fight Cotto in may and then push off the golovkin rematch to next fall when golovkin's a year older whatever rafe we got a big show to carry on and move forward with so let's talk to a man the 2012 fighter of the year nonito donare as you like to say who returns this saturday let's hear what he has to say enjoy the 2012 fighter of the year returning this saturday at the alamo dome in san antonio against ruben garcia hernandez nonito great to have you on the show how's everything going man great man uh thank you for having me uh everything has been great everything has been amazing 34 years old, coming off a really tough fight, a decision loss, very competitive against Jesse Magdaleno in November in a junior featherweight title bout, moving back up to 26 for your return. Talk about that decision. Well, there's a lot of big fights out there, you know, um, fights that never happened in the past, like uh, like a Santa Cruz fight, you know, and a Frampton fight because of, of the promotional stuff. And now that I'm with Ringstar, um, all the possibilities are, are endless. You know, because we're out there to fight, and I've always been the type of fighter who fights everybody. And with Ringstar, they're able to give me that uh, opportunity. But first, of course, we have to build it up to for for those guys to uh, to make it enticing. Right, um, Nonito. I mean, uh, uh, you mentioned, th- th- yeah, those are the fights that you know. Honestly, people talked about for years, and you know, even going back to when when there was all that demand for you and Abner Maris to, to 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 get together, and it didn't quite work out. Um, out of that class of of uh, guys, you know, you mentioned Carl Frampton, maybe uh, Selby, the the British guys, um, uh, Maris, Santa, Santa Cruz, who Gary Russell, uh, who I guess he's up at one thirty. Uh, who, yeah, who? Which of those opponents would you? Be be most you know eager to, to to take a shot at all of the above man you know yeah. man, as a fighter i've always fought everybody you know those guys are incredible fighters you know and i like to mix it up with, with great fighters you know it doesn't matter what what role what 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 uh, number they go by but you know i would like to step in there and 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 prove myself all over again nonito we t- mentioned quickly off the top of there that last bout pretty good fight there against magdaleno what was your takeaways from your performance in that? Um, my takeaway was was to just go out there and, and not not 
not overdo things. I mean, you know, it was the first time that I was working with a with a Cuban uh, trainer, um, which is Esmael Salas, who's an incredible trainer, by the way. You know, trainer of Linares and and Bartolomeu. I mean, all you know, has he has great track record of, of being an incredible coach. And I think I was just trying to prove something different within myself uh, to 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 fight accordingly and 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 follow a game plan. And one thing I took away from the fight is that. I've always fought the way I've fought. You know, I've never really gone out there to do other people's style and stuff like that. I've always had my own style. And the biggest takeaway was, as you saw in the last couple rounds in that fight, I just did my own thing. You know, I just did my my own thing and 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 uh, and executed what was in my heart, what was in my mind. And so for this fight, that's pretty much what you'll see. It's a real, true, authentic my style. Right. And, and Nonito, I mean, one of the things I was actually, I was very impressed with in, in that last fight with Magdaleno is over the years, I, I, I personally, I found it, I was never really convinced. I thought it was unfair, but, but, but a lot of, you know, there, there'd been this media narrative that we weren't, people said, would say, oh, we're not sure about Nonito's overall desire. And, you know, is it just, is it just that he's so talented and he can do this easily? Blah, 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 blah. I think, you know, that was a tough fight back and forth. I, I remember scoring it a draw uh and thinking there was a very good chance you you know you might you might have pulled it out so uh, i was surprised at how wide the scores ended up being but like the 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 you know i mean that was a tough fight you 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 that was definitely not somebody fighting uh in a manner of uh like like they don't want to deal with this sport anymore so i mean you know, i guess I, it sucks to have to to address it again and again and again but like do you think that finally made a point that look you you know you you have that fighting spirit that and and you're going to be in there no matter what I always will always will that's why I'll fight anybody regardless how big they are regardless who or how scared they're supposed to be I always have the will to do it that's just my pride and ego as, as a fighter you know you not no matter how much you're going to hit me no matter how much you're going to you're going to take away from me I'm always going to come after you that's always been me that's always will be me as a warrior two warriors inside that ring um, it's, not, it's never about a matter of desire inside the ring. It's more of a matter of desire being in the gym, <laughs> you know. And and that's pretty much the biggest the biggest uh, uh, thing that I've learned throughout the past after being on top is that you know life comes and and, and the priority changes. You know, my kids, mm-hmm. my wife. I mean, they're the most incredible thing in my life. But then I started to realize that after losing where I was at, I started to realize that you know what. My kids need this. I need this. My my wife needs this. My family needs this. And so now I'm I'm back into it. And and you can never uh, uh, roll out a, a a person who has the desire and the hunger all over again. And that's what one thing that I have now. And you know, back at that during in that Magdaleno fight, I mean, this is because it's come up in the news again after the the you know Canelo Golovkin fight this weekend. Uh, you you know there was a 118-110 scorecard uh, in favor of Magdaleno against you by the same judge Adelaide Bird. Uh, did did, did yeah. if you watched the fight this weekend? Did you were you getting deja vu a little bit, or uh, you know what what were you you know how did that feel? And and also just uh, what also what do you think about this weekend's fight? I did get a little deja vu about it. My wife and I were talking about it. My team were talking about it. You know, it was the same score. It was it was incredible. It was it was just nuts to see it that way. And you know what I think about it. I mean, I'm a good friend of 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 Canelo, and I had I wanted Canelo to win in that fight, but I really thought that the Triple G had him in that fight. You know, I I, I did not agree with the 118 110. I mean, you know, it could have been a close fight, but I thought that Triple G was was the man who who made the fight happen. Secondly, uh, he 
he was the aggressor and he was landing more. I mean, overall, when it comes down to talent, I would have to say Canelo has a talent, you know, mm-hmm. a better talent. Um, but when it comes down to that fight, I thought Canelo pulled it. Uh, uh, Triple G pulled that, that fight uh, in victory of his favor. But the the whole Adelaide Bird scoring was, was, was just nuts. I, I did not see it that way. Um, you know, a lot of people could have seen it close fight, and that's okay. But Adelaide Bird's uh, ridiculous uh, thing was, was just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's ruining. It's actually p- pissing me off a little bit now that I'm thinking about it. Yes. You know, it's ruining boxers. It's ruining the game. You know, people are just turned off by it, and everybody's talking about boxing is dead. You know, boxing will never die, but because of this, boxing is hit again after a tremendous fight where everybody's viewing a fight. I mean, that was a great, great fight with two powerful guys going in there and showing heart, granite chin. I mean, just everything. You know, and then for them to do that it just stabs the, the the boxing in the heart. You know, and uh, and it's it's you know people we work so hard. This is our game. This is our livelihood. This is what we do for a living. You know, we're not doctors. We're not lawyers. This is this is what we do. And you guys are messing it up, or they're she's messing it up. You know. Yeah, it's different than the idea of well, you shouldn't went to the scorecards. Well, some people say, hey, don't leave it in the judge's hands. But when the judge is so far off and is consistently so far off. It's like, I'm sick of this narrative as being part of the game, right? I'm sick of this as being always something that's in play. Oh, the money guy will get the cards. Like, this has got to end. It, exactly. Exactly. That's that's just the whole thing, you know? And, 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 you know, people are just calling what to do about this because, I mean, even if, if we're requesting not to have them or have her there, the, the Nevada still puts her there. You know, it's like, it's like you don't get to say what you want to say. We control this, and this is what it's going to be. You know, and it, it's frustrating for us. Absolutely. You, you made the move to Ring Star Sports and Richard Schaefer for this fight this weekend against Hernandez. What was the, the decision on there? What, what, what did you like about what, what Richard's doing with his new promotional company? Well, Richard has a track record of, of just building up great fights, making big fights, and and giving their fighter opportunities and, you know, he's worked with everybody. And as well as we all know, he's work he works with, well, with, uh, with Al Heyman and the, and, and the other guys and other promoters. And, and there's guys like, like Frampton, Santa Cruz, Selby, Maris. And these are the guys that, that Richard is, 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 is capable of, of, of making the fight happen. And, and that's why I made the move to go with them because, He's open to fight anybody else uh, as long as we say, you know what, Richard, do you think we can do this? And, you know, he's, he's very he's very easy to talk to and and, and he's, he's willing to, to, to listen to what or where you're going in your career. So that's why I, I chose Ringstar um, because of the opportunity that was given in, it, in the future. What uh, type of... No, Sorry, I was just going to oh, say, yeah, no what, need, yeah. this Saturday's fight, <laughs> no to... what are you, uh, sorry, stepping all over your words there, Rafe. This Saturday's fight, Ruben Garcia for Hernandez, what type of fight should we expect here? What type of matchup is this? Well, more of a smarter guy. I mean, my power is always going to be there. Just a smarter guy who, uh, who, who's, who's, who's back at his strategy again. You know, I've always been that way in, in the past, um, but not lately. Lately, in, in, you know, in a couple of years, uh, for a few years, I've just been a brawler. And, and you'll see the, the, the person more over all over again. The person that that uh, that became the world champion um, the first time around, you know, in, in my earlier uh, 
career, that 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 very person is is one thing that I'm gonna show into this fight, and and just more fast speed, powerful, and in in control uh, fighter. That's that's what I'm planning to do. And Nanito, uh, you you know, looking sort of at the scope of your career, you know, especially you know, you moved on from from being promoted by top rank after all those years. You know, of course, there there was all those years when you and and Manny Pacquiao were you know two of the you know and still are two of the best fighters in the sport. But you were really uh, you you with the same promoter. I remember I I uh, I actually I mean I've actually lived in the Philippines for a while before and and uh, listened to you on uh, Mo Twister's podcast one time. And you're talking about how you had heard over the years that, you know, um, Manny's advisor, Michael Kahn's never really wanted you to share a, a pay-per-view, like, you know, co-main event with Manny over the years. Um, is that, do you know, do, do you sort of wish that it happened to, to build your career more during those years? Um, or, you know, is there, I guess there's nothing you can do, but how do you feel about all that? Well, that's something that um, I don't ever wish what has happened to be in a different form or different light. Um, right. I know, I know it, it's, it's, it's how they, they played it off. You know, they've always done mm-hmm. it. I mean, the reason I signed with top rank was because I was, I was, I was promised to be on his undercard and it never really happened to the last time. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I still made the name. I still became who I am as a fighter, fighter of the year, knocker of the year. You know, that's, that's just how, how I, I chose to to uh to play my game is is to do what I know what to do best and not rely on other people to to push me up or to you know I, I pretty much I take responsibility of where I'm going what I'm doing and and you know and it's the same thing with this this second half of my career is just the same thing regardless of who will support me or not I'm gonna do what I know best and and not point finger of why my career didn't do this or didn't do that you know my career has been an excellent uh, um, um, achievement, um, you know, as, as a fighter. So I'm just grateful. That's pretty much what I'm, I'm trying to say. It's grateful regardless of where where it was or how my career went. No, Nino, knowing your natural competitive nature, your stubbornness as a fighter, your one of your high-profile fights, of course, was that loss to Guillermo Rigondeaux in that 2013 bout. Did you ever want to run that back? That was a fight I thought undoubtedly we would see a rematch for. Obviously, Guillermo's career business-wise, you know, in terms of getting big opponents, he's never had a fight on that level again since fighting you there. But in terms of getting a rematch there, was that something you ever pushed for? Um, we did. We did push for that uh, rematch. Um, but, you know, they uh, they want – the thing is, I'm too risky to be fighting for, for not the amount of money they want. You know, the only reason they fought me is because they were getting paid more than they've ever gotten paid. Um, and secondly, it's the same with all these other guys. You know, the reason why the Mars fight in the past didn't happen or, or this other fight didn't happen is because it's not enough for them to go in the ring with me because regardless if they think I'm getting slow or getting old, I still have that power that's very scary for them. So, um you know, we we would we'd love to push all the the rematches, even with with Magdaleno. We pushed for the rematch. He said he will not have. I mean, it was on YouTube. He said he will not go in the ring with me if I move if if I go in in his weight class to be mandatory. He said he'll move up in weight. So that pretty much goes to say what type of fighter I am in their eyes. Right, and I guess you know I, I also over the years, Nonito. I mean, I think of 
maybe almost uh, all active boxers. I can't think of many who have a more sort of spectacular highlight reel than you when it comes to some of the knockouts and the way uh, opponents have reacted to, to, you know, some of some of your best punches. Do you is there a moment? Is there one, you know, knockout of yours, some highlight that or that 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 is a favorite of yours? And and I guess I don't know if you've watched, you know, you've sat, you know, uh, the kids down if they're old enough to sit down and watch it uh, with you. But like, you know, are you looking forward to showing them one day and be like, look, look, your daddy was a bad man. Look at this. <laughs> Well, not really. You know, I'm 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 really soft with my kids when it comes down to it. You know, I've always taught them. I I put them away from boxing. Boxing is a really, really a uh, hard sport. It it takes time, discipline, sacrifice, and everything. You know, in order for you to get to the top, you just don't play boxing. You box for your life in boxing. You know, and so I just kind of get them to soccer, get them to everything else. But if they chose to do it when they're old enough, then definitely I'll be there for them. But I always want them to get the 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 uh, the choice of of of, of uh, doing something else, and I'm trying to push them away from it because it's it's a hard game. It's a hard game. It's a hard sport. You know, you, like I said, you don't you don't just play for it. But for me, the knockout I would um, go for is really two. It's, it's the first one is Darchini, and the second one is, is Montiel. Those are pretty much the ones that are very um, prominent to me, uh, very important to me, and and um, you know, and it. it it's one of those fights that I was very, very focused and, and and felt like anything could happen going into the ring that I was so nervous for. Yeah, those two would be the the two brightest uh, highlight package KOs to have on, on anyone's career. I will sure. say the Sidorenko knockout is very underrated, though. That is quite a break. I mean, that was brutal, uh, beautiful, brutal stuff. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. Uh, I was just going to close, Nonito, and we and we're, thank you for for your gracious time here. You've long been, you know, at, at your peak, one of the pound for pound best in the lower weight classes. We're supposed to see in December a fight that that is sort of like a pound for pound Super Bowl of the weight classes when Rigondeau does move up two weight classes to fight Vasily Lomachenko, who's getting a ton of press lately. Who do you like in that one? Well, I think that Lomachenko is is um, is way bigger for that for for this fight. He's going to be way taller. And way faster. One thing that I remember fighting with with Rigondeaux, if I had used my legs, it would have been a different story because there was a time when I was going in and out, and I can still remember this. And I would free his legs, and I'm and I and I it was it was time for a counter, but I was so used to wanting to throw just one punch that I let that that opportunity go. And I think that Vasil uh, Lomachenko is going to do that in and out movement, which will uh, free his 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 legs and, and be able to to throw a combination. But don't get me wrong, you know, Rigondeaux is, is, is a masterful uh, art when it comes down to fainting and moving and being slick, you know. And, and you know that it doesn't matter what weight it can be. But I think just overall, I think Vasilis just has all the advantage for this fight. Very, very good stuff there. Thank you for that breakdown. It is Saturday, the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, the return Nonito Donaire at Featherweight against Ruben Garcia Hernandez. Thanks so much for joining us. Really looking forward to seeing you back in there. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it for having me, man. Uh, check it out again Saturday at the Alamo Dome, man. It's going to be an incredible fight. The return of Nonito Donaire, the Filipino Flash. <laughs> He's back. The Flash is back. That was Nonito Donaire, who, like we mentioned, returned Saturday at the Alamo Dome in the next stop, next step in the World Boxing Super Classic. But before we get there... Let's talk to the promoter of such said card, Richard Schaefer, the former head 
of Golden Boy Promotions, who's back in the game, back in the business in a big way. Let's hear from Richard. Richard, so great to have you. You're, of course, right in the midst of this World Boxing Super Series. Right now, the Cruiserweight Bracket, which we talk about a lot on this show this weekend in San Antonio. How's everything going for you back in the boxing game on top of Ringstar Sports? Oh, um, everything is going really well. I'm very happy to be here on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And I agree with you. I mean, the cruiserweights, uh, all four champions in a tournament, it's a unification tournament. Uh, uh, one guy is going to come out as the king of the cruiserweights. Uh, it's a single elimination tournament. You win, you move on. You lose, you go home. And easy to follow, uh, a set schedule. So very, very, very exciting. And this weekend in San Antonio, we have uh, probably one of the most explosive fights I have ever promoted. Uh, Kudryashov against Dortikos, two guys, I think 44 fights, 44 wins, and 43 wins by uh, by knockout. Uh, so these are big, big punchers. And I, I don't like to guarantee things, but in this particular case, I'm pretty sure uh, that um, one of them is going to get knocked out. So it's going to be an exciting night uh, from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Well, Richard, we saw uh, the, the first chapter from this Cruiserweight tournament. Of course, Alexander Usyk looked excellent in, in dispatching Marco Huck. When it came to the idea of going to the tournament format, which is something you know we've seen successful in the past, especially that Super 6, Super Middleweight tournament that Showtime did a few years back, what was the genesis here in, in this idea in, in bringing this forward like this? Well, I think generally speaking, in sports, uh, people like tournaments, and uh, most other sports have uh, tournaments. Whether if it's uh, in, in basketball with the playoffs, or the or, or, or the World Series in baseball, or the big uh, the big golf tournament. Uh, you know, I mean, pretty much every sport has its has its high level tournament. Boxing did not. And uh, you're right, a lot of people did like the Super Series, which uh, took place a few years ago on Showtime. Uh, the two complaints you heard there was that uh, it took too long, it was dragged out too long, and that, uh, that, 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 that round-robin kind of format was really a bit confusing as well. And that's why we, we picked up on the idea of the tournament, but we wanted to make it single elimination. So there's really a lot riding on it for the fighters participating. And uh, there is a, you know, you have the quarterfinals in September and October. You have the semifinals in January and February. And then the finals, uh, the two finals, one per weight class in May. Uh, so very, very easy to follow. And uh, that's what people like. Well, I, and Richard, uh, first, I mean, I, I want to sort of thank you for, for putting the cruiserweight and, and the super middleweight uh, tournaments together, because on this show, I've been sort of for, for, for the past year saying how, how, how big a fan I was of the cruiserweight division and, and hoping that uh, they could catch on a little bit more here in the United States, even if uh, most of the fighters are not American. Uh, but uh, so and I just think it's, you know, they you really it's a great lineup of guys where you don't know who's going to come out the the overall champion um <clears throat> i'm curious is there anything uh, can uh, for the the later rounds say the the semifinals and finals uh are are you guys working on uh, a way to get that on us television somewhere um could you know well, could could that end up on espn or hbo yeah no absolutely uh, and actually not just for the later rounds we are as we speak in co in uh, negotiations and communication with uh, two different uh, possibilities because frankly I'd like to have 
uh, the remaining quarterfinals uh, televised here as well. I think it's important. And as it relates to your comment about the cruiserweights, what we wanted to do is we wanted to feature weight classes which maybe are a little bit um, a little bit neglected. And uh, I agree with you as well. In in those two weight classes, in both weight classes, you really don't have much uh, of an American participation. Uh, but uh, that's not because you know because we for whatever reason the Americans didn't want to participate. No, the fact is there were really no. Um, there were really no, uh, uh, th- th- there are no, 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 no fighters which really yeah. fit in that top bracket, particularly on the cruiserweights. You probably would have to do- go do- to go down to uh, round uh, twenty, uh, top twenty or top thirty or something like that before you find a cruiserweight. And we only have eight people, so we really wanted to get the best eight available, and uh, we really scored big by getting all the champions in there. And I think the cruiserweight, the cruiserweight division is of particular interest as well, because uh, as we know, weight 200 pounds, uh, up to 200 pounds. So there is a possibility that one or, or or more of those cruiserweights eventually will move up into the heavyweight division. And I have to say, if I look at uh, the excitement level on a, on from a weight class point of view, I'm really excited about the future of the heavyweights. The heavyweights were sort of like held hostage by the Klitschkos for the past 10, past 10 years. The Klitschkos decided to mainly fight in uh, Germany. And so we here in the U.S., we really missed out on the heavyweights. And generally, you know, in the past, the heavyweights were always exciting. Uh, it was always an important division. And I think there's definitely uh, young young heavyweights uh, and some of those cruiserweights moving up. There's more. I mean, the heavyweight division is re-energized. And um, so I think some of these cruiserweights are going to play part in that resurgence of the heavyweight division as well. And that makes it that that more exciting. Absolutely. I mean, I, I said the same thing watching Usyk work, you know, just just a week or two ago and thinking, wow, imagine those skills as a heavyweight. Richard, when we talk about ring star sports, you had a few years away from the sport. A lot of people waiting to see what you did, what you were planning to do when you came back in. You're making a big splash with these tournaments. I've seen you signed a lot of young prospects. We talked earlier in this episode of this podcast with Nonito Donaire, a, a big signee for you. What is your plan moving forward? What type of identity will ring star sports hold in the boxing game? Well, we, yes, we signed Donito. He's going to be uh, uh, fighting uh, his first fight back now at 126 uh, this coming uh, weekend from San Antonio. Um, but what I believe the sport really is, uh, it's about the next generation of fighters, and that's what I uh, want to discover and build up. And we've been very fortunate. Uh, I signed, uh, I think, 10, uh, 10 Rio Olympians. Uh, I believe we have the best young fighters under the ring star stable, uh, and not just U.S. fighters, but really a global, a, a, a global uh, scope of fighters. We have, for example, in France, we have the uh, super heavyweight gold medalist from the Rio Olympics, uh, Tony Yoka. From the U.K., we have the silver medalist uh, from the Rio Olympics uh, who uh, fought Tony Yoka in the final, and it was uh, some some say it was a bit a controversial decision. So we have both guys. Uh, we have as well the guy who won the best knockout of the Rio Olympics. Interestingly, a heavyweight as well from Nigeria, Efe. And so with these three heavyweights from the Olympics, it shows you how much focus I have on the heavyweight division as well. 
Um, and then we have the most uh, sought-after U.S. Olympian, Carlos Balderas. Uh, we have the two Mexican Olympians, including the one who medaled for Mexico, first Mexico boxing medal in 16 years, Misael Rodriguez and Lindolfo Delgado. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have a Monty Spagnones who is training now here in uh, Los Angeles with Freddie Roach, and uh, Freddie uh, told me and some other reporters as well that... Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, right. He's that this guy from a talent level and is right up there with Manny Pacquiao. And uh, he compares him actually to a Manny Pacquiao. He's creating a lot of buzz here. A Monty Stanionis is from uh, uh, from uh, Lithuania. So you have you have all these all these youngsters which we're building up, and I'm very excited about that. What I focused on as well that it is becoming more of a uh, more of a uh, global sport than it really has ever been uh, and that is uh, you know that's why I really wanted to build up the Ringstar brand as a as a as a global brand as a brand uh, where we have operating platforms and businesses in uh, in in different in, in different countries so besides having an office and the presence in Los Angeles for the US market we have an office in Paris as well uh, where we entered into a TV deal with um, with uh, with Canal Plus, and so that that uh, uh, so that we can build up French fighters as well, uh, and then we entered into a partnership with David Hay in the UK. So we have now an office in uh, in in London as well in the presence, and we have a deal there with. Uh, with uh, uh, UK TV, which is a free over-the-air network. Uh, and so I don't think any promoter ever in the history of the sport had actually operating platforms in three different countries. And uh, I'm actually right now in the process of uh, entering into another uh, uh, presence in, uh, in, 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 uh, to focus on the Eastern European markets as well. So I look at Ringstar really not as a U.S. company only, but truly as a global brand, and uh, that's what I—that's why—that's the way I wanted to position that Ringstar. That's yeah, that's, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've seen all the success of the sport, you know, recently with with the great you know champions coming out of the United Kingdom, and and just we know that boxing is this truly global sport. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about you know the the big topic in in the big topic in the sport after last weekend, the Canelo Triple G fight. Of course, you worked with Canelo for many years. Um, I guess I'm curious as, as a promoter, there there have there have been some people saying that. Um, you know, that K2 and, and Triple G's promoters should have uh, protested, you know, the judges that, that they figured may have been, uh, that they were a little worried about, in this case, uh, either Adelaide, it ended up being Adelaide, Adelaide Bird. Um, in your experience as a promoter, how much... Uh, how much leverage can a co-promoter have to to really make a difference on that level, or is it just something you do to show that you're trying, but it is you know it's not going to turn out in any uh, particular way? I mean, how I guess if you were in that position as a promoter and you did you saw judges who you were skeptical of, uh, how would you uh, try to best protect your fighter? Well, that's actually a very interesting question because there's that misconception out there that the promoter. Um, is picking the judges or has an influence on picking the judges and that is absolutely not true and a promoter shouldn't have that kind of power 
to uh, uh, pick judges because that obviously uh, would be a huge conflict. So, um, but what happens is the executive director of a state athletic commission, whether if it's in Nevada or Los Angeles or so, they appoint judges. Now, as a promoter of a fighter, you have the right to um, veto. You can you can raise your issues or concerns, and then the executive director will take it in, into consideration. Is under no obligation to change uh, or replace a judge, uh, but you can definitely uh, voice your opinion, and you can do that uh, way before. You can do it when the fight is announced. If you have a particular issue with a certain judge because he judged many of your opponent's fights and maybe uh, favored always your opponent. So, but that is, that is, you know, a promoter has to really, that's hard work. You know, you need to really make yourself very familiar with the judges and the way they score. And then you have to, um, you have to go to the executive director and give him an exact reason why you don't want that particular judge. And uh, most of the time, by the way, I would say 90% of the time, the executive director is going to listen to your issues and concerns, but is he actually going to do something like replacing a particular judge? Most likely not. Uh, as I said, in about 95% of the cases, that's not that's not the case. Now with Adelaide Bird, you know, uh, she has a lot of experience and she's done, you know, hundreds, 150, 200 or so championship fights. And uh, there are uh, a handful of instances where she scored a fight very wide. Like, for example, we were talking about Nonito Donaire before. When Nonito Donaire fought uh, Magdaleno uh, in Las Vegas, she was she was a judge who turned in a very, very wide uh, scorecard in favor of Magdaleno. And uh, so there were cases like that involving Adelaide Burke before. But uh, do I think that there is some sort of, like, conspiracy or there is some sort of, like, uh, uh, you know, I mean... I, I, I really don't see that, you know. I think I think uh, she had a bad night, and no matter what job and what business you're in, it happens that you have a bad night. Unfortunately, on that stage, at the highest stage of stage of boxing, these mistakes, these bad nights, are are magnified, and suddenly you have people all like, oh, you know, this is why you know we don't watch boxing because you have these bad decisions and things like that. And I think you need to sort of like take a step back. Okay, so she turned in the wrong scorecard, too wide. But generally speaking, you know, if you look at the result, just as at the result, the 100, I mean, the draw, um, and you leave the scorecards aside, uh, but it was a draw, I don't really have a problem, and I don't think anybody really can have a problem with the draw. Do I feel Golovkin won? Yeah, I feel Golovkin won, but do I have a problem with the, with the final score, which was a draw? No, I don't. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, but I think what this should do is it should really be a lesson for the, the fighter, uh, his camp, and the fighter's promoter to really pay more more attention to when these judges are appointed. Yeah, yeah, very very smart breakdown there, uh, and, and it was interesting to, to hear that. Two quick ones for you on the way out here, Richard. A lot of people thought with your connections and good relationships with Al Heyman that maybe you would come back to the PBC. Instead, you went your own ground. What was your take on the whole PBC experiment, which started in 2015 and bringing boxing back to regular TV? And I think you're now seeing top rank on ESPN as maybe a, a follow-up gesture after that. How do you grade what the PBC has been able to do? 
Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I am promoting some of the PVC events, uh, like, for example, the Mars in Santa Cruz uh, doubleheader, October 14th from the Stop-Up Center. So, yes, I do I do work with Al and, and do his fights, but I have my own fighters and my own business as well. And, uh, you know, sort of like before, you know, I when I was at Golden Boy, we had our own Golden Boy business. We had our own fights, but then we promoted some of the Heyman managed fighters as well, most notably, obviously, Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd was never under contract with us, but we did the shows. So it's a little bit the same blueprint here at Ringstar, where I uh, work with Al if he wants me to promote certain fighters or events, but I do my own stuff as well. As it relates to the impact from the PPC, you know, in, in boxing, you have a lot of negativity, you, and that is something which, even when I was out for a year or two, that has, has not changed, and I think it will never change. It sort of like goes with the sport. And there were a lot of people which were very critical about Al and the way he went about it, but in the end, and most notably, obviously, Bob Arum and Oscar De La Hoya, both of, both of whom sued PBC and Heyman, but in the end, it's really funny that it is exactly these two guys, these two entities, who really profited from the Heyman PPC experiment the most. And when I say what I mean with that is it was Al who, uh, with a significant investment uh, and significant effort, brought boxing back on free over-the-air network television on a regular basis. He started with NBC, and there was some CBS, and there was his Fox, and all of these free over-the-air networks. And I think what that is, it clearly uh, exposed the sport of boxing to a wider audience, and it planted the seeds in the minds of, for example, an ESPN, uh, where they said, hey, you know what, why not? You know, it's on CBS, it's on NBC, it's on Fox, why don't we throw our hat in the ring? And that's exactly what they did. And the beneficiaries, funny enough, is Bob Arum and Oscar De La Hoya. So, uh, they really should send uh, Al Heyman a gift basket uh, over the holidays, uh, uh, you know, and thank him for the fact that he actually helped them to develop and, and bring these platforms back to boxing. And so I think for the sport of boxing, we've never seen more boxing than we see today. That's a fair and point. Particularly this year, you have the best fighting the best, a lot of exciting matchups. I think boxing, uh, boxing was never gone, but boxing today is clearly on a great run, and I think it's it's on its way back to really become a major sport, and not a niche sport as it was for the past, you know, four, five, six years, but really become a major sport again. And I really, really strongly believe that Al Heyman is responsible for that. Interesting takedown there. He does get criticism for the matchmaking at times. People think it should be better, but... That did bring the boxing right back to the forefront. You're seeing top rank on ESPN. That's definitely a byproduct. Richard, we thank you for your time on the way out here. We wanted to have some fun with you. We have a lot of fun on this show. Boxing it can be crazy. It's also fun. We love sound bites. We love sound drops. You've had one of the most memorable sound drops that doesn't seem to go away. We'll play it for you. Let me say first something. Richard we have we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina, and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse! Richard, we love that moment. A great, great sound drop there. Did you ever believe that would have such a life of its own after Matisse knocked out, uh, who did he knock out there? That was Lamont, Lamont, Peterson. Lamont Peterson in Atlantic City. Uh, yeah, a yeah. Moment. No, I mean, look, Lucas Matisse, uh, is a fantastic and exciting fighter just like his other, uh, Argentinian, uh, uh, um, compatriot, uh, Marcus Maidana True. was. 
And now, you know, I'm telling you, I mentioned it before, and it's not just me saying that you can ask Freddie Roach the next time when you have him on. We actually do have the next Manny Pacquiao. Yes. And his name is a and his name is a Montes Stanyolis. Watch and see this guy. Unreal. Love that. Love that. You went right back to it. We do have a new Manny Pacquiao. Great stuff, Richard. Thank you so much for the time. Your card this weekend is in San Antonio, the continuation of the World Boxing Super Series quarterfinals with Unia Dordikos against Dmitry Kudryashov. Ringstar Sports is the company making moves here. Nonito Donaire, more to come. Thanks so much for your time, Richard. Best of luck in the future. Thank you. Anytime. Always happy to be on your show. Many thanks to Richard Schaefer for the time. He returns this weekend, like we mentioned. Ringstar Sports, Rafe, it's back on the map. But, Rafe, we already broke down Triple G versus Canelo. We mentioned quickly over the weekend in England, Billy Joe Saunders outpointed Willie Monroe to defend his WBO title. Well, it wasn't not the a- main thing, not the main thing takeaway from that fight, which is, of course, uh, the weigh in, uh, you know, uh, you know, second round KO of, uh, young Saunders versus Willie Monroe's Mr. Nuts. And then to see Stevie Saunders, the little punk kid, get in the ring afterwards and say, you know, essentially, I'm sorry for punching you in the nuts. That was an interesting sideshow. I think it brought attention to the fight where the really was none in the shadow of Triple G Canelo. But this weekend, Rafe, we reload with a with a handful of bouts here in Inglewood, California on Saturday on HBO. Jorge Linares defends his WBA lightweight title against England's Luke Campbell. A pretty decent bout here. We saw Linares in Vegas providing interviews and tell the folks about what he was wearing. Linares, I mean, you know, we know he's a handsome man. We know he's done some male modeling over in Japan, you know. I mean, I, I look, I don't that that that's a little bit of a sliding scale. You could probably find some male modeling out there that I've done in Manila, and I ain't no male model. Um, is that but, true? Is that know, out there? Is that out there? Um, yeah, I was in, I was, I did some commercial modeling in like, uh, TV shoots and stuff where they just kind of just like, we have a short supply of white guys and, oh, you, um, that's sort of how it works. Um, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> but no, Linares, man, was he dressed to the nines. He had these slippers on, I, some kind of designer slippers with animals on the front, fur, animals on the side in the form of fur, um, great sunglasses, great haircut, uh, you know, but more importantly for me, I like Linares, man. I love to watch him fight, and it's been good to see him build his career back up after those two kind of devastating losses first when his face fell off against Antonio DeMarco and he had to, and he lost on cuts, got stopped. Um, and, uh, I guess he didn't lose on cuts, but he did get stopped. Um, and then that, that sort of flash knockout to Sergio Thompson, he's really, Linares has done great over in, in Europe, you know, beating those fun fights with Kevin Mitchell and Anthony Crolla. Uh, I'm glad he's back on sort of HBO and, and climbing up the, the ranks in boxing. I, I hope I, you know, I hope, I honestly, I hope he beats Campbell and, uh, uh, not Brian Campbell, but uh, Luke Campbell. The great Luke Campbell. And Campbell, you are next, my friend. Oh, wow. Wow. That is actually true there. Unbelievable. I hope he gives him a little bit of this. Philly style. We're back. LDS, Tyrone style. Rafe, I forgot to mention Friday night on ESPN from Tucson, Arizona. Pretty good uh, top-ranked doubleheader. We in the main event, Oscar Valdez defends his WBO featherweight title against Genesis Cervania. Yes, Genesis the first. Benoit and, Power, baby. Get it, baby. Get it, Genesis. Huh? Your guy, Gilberto Third. El Zerdo Ramirez defends his WBO super middleweight title against Philly's Jesse Hart. Michael Conlon on the undercard. Rafe, does this card move you? 
uh, if it were uh, like if I look if I tell myself it's a Friday night fights card, I'm like this is the greatest Friday night fights card in years. Uh, if I think of it as an important you know championship level main event type thing, no, but it's good boxing on a Friday. I mean, I'm not saying no to that. Um, but you know what this weekend is about to me, and we talked to Schaefer about it. This weekend is about cruising. I will be cruising Saturday afternoon on that live stream. Let me guess, you'll be saying this. Cruising was made for box. Respect, Respect was, made was made for box. box. Look at that. That was like auto. That was Rafe auto tune right there. You're talking about Unia Cool Ranch Dortikos versus Dimitri the Hammer Kudrashov from San Antonio. Respect my hammer for Dortikos's WBA regular cruiserweight title. So the what the title that doesn't mean anything. Rafe uh, Keith Tapia versus Latif Coyote on the undercard. I think that's an alternate bout for this cruiserweight class. I f he up, man. Along with Nonito in the co-main, who's taken the Dortikos Kudrashov? Give us your cruiser breakdown. You have to favor Dortikos. I mean, as as fun as Kudrashov is throwing these enormous left hooks and power that really can crumple guys, um, you know, he, he doesn't have much stamina. He is one of the slowest boxers you will ever see. He's going to go out there and do his best to land one giant shot. And if he does, he can win. But Dortikos looked like a real good, like maybe the, 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 the guy who has the best chance of beating uh, Oleksandr Usyk if they happen to make it and meet in the final of this tournament. Dortikos is the guy who can move, who can punch, who can box, who has sort of that whole package that we like to see in guys. Yeah, we like to see packages in guys. Rafe, the whole no, thing. One more fight of note. Interesting weekend here. Manchester, England, integrated sports pay-per-view. Joseph Parker of New Zealand will defend that WBO heavyweight championship against Huey Furry. What is he, the uh, the cousin of Tyson Fury? Uh, lineal, lineal heavyweight champion Tyson Fury? I, I believe he's the cousin. Rafe, um, Parker hasn't shown us a lot despite being unbeaten. There's promise, but then he doesn't really, you know, activate that promise. Huey Furry, very, I love saying Furry as opposed to Fury. Very untested. Who do you got in this one? <laughs> I... Uh... I'm gonna go with uh, the Fury Clan just because uh, those guys know how to box and 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 of all uh, for for Joseph Parker's strengths and his aggression and him being a, a looking like a young strong guy he doesn't seem like a great boxer I mean Andy Ruiz gave him a lot of trouble if uh, Fury has you know 75 percent of his cousin's talent then I think he'll win. Fury, by the way, I hope that they can activate the WWE, what they call the Freebird rule. The Freebird rule is if you have more than two people in a tag team, that any two can defend the title at any time. I'd love Fury to win the WBO title here and then be able to allow Tyson to defend it anytime he wants, and they keep it in the furry family, Rafe. How about that booking? I'll book this damn It'll territory. turn us all into furries, man. Rafe, uh, wow, wild weekend, wild show. Many thanks to our guests, Nonito Donale and Richard Schaefer. Follow Rafe on Twitter, at Rafe Bugs. Follow me at B Campbell CBS. Hey, send your DM questions. we got a couple sprinkling in from time to time. We'd like to get some more. We'd like to make that a segment in a weekly basis. Buy Rafe's book, two and two, McSorley's. McSorley's, my dad and me. It's still in store, still on Amazon, still a pretty good read if you haven't seen it yet. Rafe, we normally give two words for the people on the way out. One time, Angel Garcia had two words for Oscar De La Hoya. But this is what I got for Oscar. I got fish, scale. Hit me up on the low, Oscar, on a deep. Hit him up on the D, apparently, Rafe. But on our on show, on the down low, man, you gotta hit him up on the down low. But this is on the up and up. You know what it is? We out.